Hello, everybody. It's Keith. Help support the Northeast scene and declare yourself a member today. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast medium of choice. Rate us and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It has every podcast episode plus other exclusive content. Like and leave a comment. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TheNEScene. Also, continue to write us at NortheastScene at gmail.com. We want to share your experiences as well. And now, here's the show. You're really lucky, you know that? You didn't have to wait your whole life to do something special. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. And we're back. Again. You cannot get rid of us. It's impossible. (laughs) Nothing will stop us from delivering you the highest quality podcast content every single week. And even if we can't be there, we're going to fucking record two in a week to make sure we have one for the next week. What do you think of that? I, th- I think it's awesome. So I was looking at all of our episodes in Apple Podcasts today, and it breaks it up by year. And I was like, oh, shit, it's a new year. We did 43 episodes in 2020. Well, for one, the podcast was born in 2020. And two, we did 43 episodes. That's like, uh, how many seasons does a TV show put out? Like, what are, how many episodes is a se- like a... Uh- 20 episodes a season or something like that? 18 episodes a season? No, it's uh, for the prestige dramas, it's usually 8 to 12. Oh, fuck that, dude. We're fucking killing it. We're on season 5 already. Yeah, we're we're way past our peak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like old school network sitcoms would do 20-something episodes, I think, per season. And we're delivering double that per year. And there'll be even more this year because we started in March in 2020. Good. I did. I I still think about like we haven't skipped a week. Yeah. No. So we skipped weeks, but we've recorded episodes in advance of when we were skipping weeks. Yes, and we it had technically it has been weekly because we start we recorded four and we put them all up and that covered March and it just so happened that we started up again the first week of April. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I actually, my, the thing I keep thinking back to is like when people are like, oh, so is it difficult to do a podcast? I'm like, uh, yes and no. Keith bears, <laughs> Keith bears the brunt of like the difficult part of like the editing and all that other stuff. I was like, but there's times where like I had to record and it was like, I remember it was, uh, was it Thanksgiving this year? I recorded it in the front seat of the minivan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, just, you got to keep moving, man. Like fucking. You know, because some of these are going to be bangers and some of them are going to be fucking trash. So, no, these, you can't say that some of our shows are going to be trash. Some of them are going to be mediocre and then some of them. <laughs> <laughs> no. Listen, they're all works of art. Well, of course. But I mean, at the same time, you know, my child's drawings are a work of art the same way fucking. Remember that time you touched the uh, Van Gogh painting? 
Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I must be insane. Can, can we tell that story on here? Are we gonna get Yeah, I, w- I was at a certain museum. I'm not going to say which one. And I I, I was like new I was like new in recovery, you know, I it, I would only been off drugs for a couple months, so I guess I was still kind of crazy. And Tommy I don't know, Tommy has an effect on me. He, he he told me that he went to this museum and touched a Van Gogh painting before and he got in trouble, like security yelled at Now, is that story true? Are you doing like the Tommy embellishment or did it did it happen exactly as you say? No, it happened exactly like that. I had I was teaching my first year out of college and I was teaching in an alternative school and we had gotten a grant for an arts program and they brought this art group in once a week for the kids and at the end of the year, they were like, we're taking a trip to this art museum. And I went with the kids and one of the kids was like, of course, keep in mind, this was like a alternative high school for kids that were like, there was a kid in my class. I was 22. There was a kid in my class that was 20. So yeah. uh, he was like, I dare you to touch that. So I walked over and I was like pretending like I was like, yeah, look, look at the brush strokes. And I just kind of like grazed my finger across it. And as soon as yeah. I did it, the dude was like, uh, you can't touch that. It's like, oh, I'm really sorry. <laughs> so Keith took a video of himself <laughs> right yeah. next to it. Like he looked like he was, uh, you tell it because it, <laughs> it's your story. So you're you're edging me on, on on text. You're like, touch it. And I, I don't know, you have an effect on me. So I was like, I'm going to do it. So I stand in front of the picture and I have my friend film me. And I, I lift my arm up and like elbow the picture. <laughs> and somehow nobody saw me. But that's crazy. Yeah. Like that that that's a Van Gogh painting. That's my favorite painter cuz he was the craziest. It's been all I was going to say in terms of people that have touched that it's probably less than 10,000 people. Oh yeah. Like you're it's in a very be. you and I are in a very elite group of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> There's people that were like art curators that were allowed to touch it and then like people that do like the, you know, preservation and all that sh- and then there's us. <laughs> that just fucking touched a masterpiece because we're fucking dicks yeah so if you're listening to this don't do that i don't recommend it it was a stupid thing for me to do now oh here's what i want to say it's been suggested to me to have the music of the band we're talking to in the show like if people can't if people don't know the band but i don't want to do that one because you know i don't want to just have people sit and listen to music and two when you use music of another band, YouTube always flags it. Oh yeah, and then there's then they're like, oh, you know, this record label is going to take all the royalties from your video. Now, we don't make any money off this podcast at all. In fact, it costs money. Yeah, uh, but it's a labor of love. But I don't that I don't want YouTube claiming ownership of my videos because I have like a thirty second clip of some band's song in it. So, but here's what we do have: we have our Spotify playlists. Uh, of all of our guests and their songs and just random songs that we like to. Yeah. We have a very extensive 2020 playlist on Spotify. And I just created the 2021 playlist. So search the Northeast scene 2020 or the Northeast scene 2021 for the latest one. And we'll have all of our guests on there and, you know, just random songs that we like to. So if you haven't heard the band and you're curious, it's a one-stop shop to check out everything. So please do so. Yeah, and I don't want to have to be like, you know, like I think of like a talk show, like, all right, can you set up this clip? Like, yeah, okay. yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want us to play clips of our own shows. I just want to, you know, I'm always on the hunt for new 
shit. New conversations, new content. We're going to keep it moving forward. I guess that I understand where the person's coming from with that suggestion, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, no. Yeah. Well, there there are specific reasons that I cannot and will not do it, but I just want everyone to know we hear you, and we are constantly workshopping ideas to make this show better. I mean, it's pretty hard, because let's face it, this is a great show, but no. No, I'm just <laughs> you know, being uh, folksy. All right. Yo, um, so I have a lot of lines out there for groundbreaking, excellent guests to speak to. We don't have a set one for tonight. You want me to try to get one? I'll start making phone calls. Do it up. Right. I, I'm, I'm fresh out of stories. Actually, <laughs> I do have one thing that's new this week. Go. My stepdad was getting rid of um, his old computer. He got a new yeah. laptop. His old computer was a desktop. Um, so now I run two monitors during class so I can look at the kids data on one screen and I can run the Google classroom meet on the other screen. Wow. I'm very excited about it. I feel very wall street when I'm sitting here, except for the <laughs> fact that my computer and my other monitor are literally propped up on, uh, you know, like those TV dinner tables, like that, yeah. like, like one of those. And then there <laughs> there's, um, empty, uh, whatchamacallits, uh, those Rubbermaid tote, like the big Rubbermaid containers yeah, on top of them. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, precarious is the word I would use to describe it. It's it. There's a couple times where I've like, you know, turned around to write on the whiteboard and then turned back quickly and bumped into the table and like had to grab my whole computer from falling the fuck over. Uh, oh man. Not cool. You got to get a little like pro stand. I actually, you know what I want to get? And I actually, I, I was thinking about this because when I get back to work, uh, they're kind of thinking we're going to be teaching much the same way I'm teaching right now, but with kids in the classroom. So yeah. when the kids first come back, they're going to be on laptops away from me. I'll be on laptop and on a laptop up in the front of the classroom. So I was thinking about kind of putting it on work and being like, yo, if I'm up in the classroom like this, doing this, I need a standing desk because I don't want to be sitting all day. So yeah, I, I that's put, a reasonable request. I did. I put a requisition in for it already. So you know what you should do? You should get them to build you like a whole terrarium up front, like walled <laughs> off plastic hard sheets between you and the class to protect you. Have you I've seen uh, people's classrooms set up now, and yeah. it's like um, it looks like. Uh, do you remember when people were like dorks in school and used to put their folders up so they didn't copy off you? Yeah. Like that kind of thing. But yeah. instead of them being folders, they're clear plexiglass and yeah. they're, they're at every single desk. And I, in my head, I'm going like, I kind of just want that for normal life. Like I <laughs> just to get just a barrier between me and everyone else in the world. So I don't have, I to think that all the time. No, I, I think I might just stick with the mask. Just go pro mask all year long, every day. Yeah, yeah. Like even after the pandemic, I don't see an issue with that. I would think, and when I saw somebody wearing it, like I used to see videos or like clips of people traveling, and they were in like places like Japan or Hong Kong. Yeah, and there were people on trains and buses, and they would be wearing a mask. And I'm like, why the fuck would you wear a mask on the bus? And now I'm like. Why wouldn't you wear a mask on the bus? Like, Jesus. Exactly. It, it makes like, I, sense. Like, even if you have, like, a cold or something like that, like... It's very courteous. It certainly is. Like, it definitely comes across as, like, extraordinarily polite and 
outward thinking, thinking about other people's safety as well as your own. And I was like, damn, dude, that's a really like we should adopt that. That should definitely be something that sticks around from the pandemic is if you're sick, but not sick enough to not go to work, fucking mask up, dum dum. Like stop coughing all over people. Yeah, well, there's still people in this country who won't wear seatbelts out of protest, so we don't really have a chance. But I'm going to do it because I like it. It protects me. It protects other people. Seat it's belts, just smart. Seatbelts kill more people than they actually save. Dad, you're, now, thinking, Dad, you're thinking about airbags. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, you're quoting The Simpsons. Yeah, sorry. I, I thought you were going to go into some weird territory. I was going to, no, like, no. clamp it down. No. All right. <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm, I'm going to try to make some calls here. Go, go, go with what you got. Let's see if they answer. Got to get a guest on. Yo. Brad. What's happening? Yo, you're on the show right now. What? <laughs> How's it going? We're doing this on the phone? No. Do you want to come on the show right now? Oh, yeah, unless you want to do it on the phone. No, the, the the quality won't be as good if we do this. Yeah, I'll, I'll pop in. I'm going to send you a link right now. All right, cool. All right. See you in a bit. Later. Okay. That's Brad Truex from Interpol. We're getting him back. Heck yeah. Yeah. All right, let me send him the link. Hold on. Can I also make a, a statement about uh, things I hate? Of course. <laughs> I hate people that are clearly not into it and wear things or have things that have Wu-Tang on them. Yeah. That's like, that's become like a cultural uh, symbol. I saw somebody like a picture of, and I'm not going to like say how I saw it, but it was just, it was friend of a friend kind of thing scrolling through Instagram. And there was like a bunch of people at like a, you know, social distance like christmas party and someone was wearing a wu-tang shirt and it was like yeah it was like a wu-tang christmas sweater and i was like i i hate you and i don't even know you like that really <laughs> bothers me because like i'm not a huge wu-tang person like yeah uh, but i'll like i listen to ghostface before i listen to anything from wu-tang so like in my head i'm going like I kind of, I, I know that's kind of like a pretentious thing, but at the same time, I kind of want to go up to that person and be like, name one Wu-Tang song. <laughs> name one. I've literally never heard a single Wu-Tang Clan song. It's, I mean, uh, when I was skateboarding, that yeah. was like the go-to soundtrack people used to have. Like everybody had that CD was 36 Chambers. Yes. Um, so I know it really well. I never like it. It didn't resonate with me. Like I just didn't. I, I understood it, and I understood the 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 kind of idea behind it. But there was also a part of me that was like, I don't really care. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wait, I think Brad's here. Brad. Yeah, I feel like I'm eavesdropping. <laughs> yo, yo, you sound perfect. I feel like I just was like lurking. You were, and I came in on a horrible time. Well, no, man. The, any time is the perfect time. We're all here. Well, now. no, I came in on a horrible time, like hearing you say that you've never listened <laughs> to Wu Tang Clan. Can you believe that? And I just was like stoked. Hi, Tommy. <laughs> What's up, Brad? How you doing? <laughs> I was just telling Keith yesterday how he was in my COVID bubble. Yes. And then you learn these. You learn these awful truths about someone. <laughs> Wait, so Brad, you're a fan of the Wu-Tang Clan? 
A hundred percent. So are you, are you saying I should listen to the 36 Chambers album soon? Yeah, like right now, while me and Tommy are <laughs> we'll just, Yeah, Brad and I will just chop it up, bro. We'll just, you can go fucking <laughs> yeah. get business done. How, how, wait, how could you have gone this far in your life um, without ever hurrying Wu-Tang Clan? I got into hip-hop around like the, the, the gangster rap boom of like the early 90s, you know, Onyx and all Naughty by Nature, all that stuff. I was into that. I, I didn't listen to a ton, but some. And then I would only listen to some rap. And then I got into it heavy again around 2016. So I think it was just a time and place thing that I missed it. But I'm happy to go back and check it out because shit, you know, if it's good, it's good. I'm down. I listen to a lot of hip hop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Brad, can I ask you a question right off the bat? Not really. <laughs> I kind of want to. I mean, I, let's go back to the Wu Tang Clan for a second. All right. You should. I mean, I feel like at this point, before listening, I mean, you should absolutely listen to the Thirty Six Chambers. I'm going to um, do it this week. But there's a great documentary that just came out what last year, or the year before, yeah. called "Of Mikes and Men." It's like the whole Wu Tang history. I think it's on. I'm not going to promote any cable stations, but it's out there. Right. Um, you should watch that. I'm down for like, that. I feel like that would get you psyched to then go listen to the records. All right. So you're going to have to tell me what service that is and give me your password. Okay. And I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I will. I might have someone else's password, but I might pass that along. So watch it. Everyone does it. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So I have a question. Brad, do I smell... Do I smell weird? No, I've never smelled you. I've, I've, we've sat in pretty close. Yeah, you were at my apartment once. Did it smell weird in here at all? Not at all. All right, good. But I, let me say this. Yes. I have a horrible sense of smell. Ah, so maybe it does smell and you didn't realize it. But if it was bad, noticeably I would catch a whiff of it. All right, good. So I think I'm okay. No, my friend said that my apartment has a peculiar smell. Like, not bad, just unlike anything they've ever experienced. So I, That's so kind of bad, I think. Yeah, I know. I was like, peculiar is not good. No. Like, I don't say, like, oh, this dinner is peculiar. Like, you know what I mean? And mean it as a compliment. <laughs> yeah. I think, but I, think I, I haven't opened the windows in, like, a year. So I think okay. I just need to open the windows a little bit every day, and I'm gonna like do a deep clean, and then I think did, it'll be fine. Did they did they describe the smell to you? No. See, that's not cool. Yeah, see, <laughs> I yeah, I'll tell you about like my mom. I guess about six months ago, I walked into her house, and the because it's my mom. Like I just walked in, and like, the first thing I said, I was like, "Mom, it smells in here," and she was like, "What?" And I was like it smells really bad. Like I can't, it, it, it's awful. And she's like, Oh my God, we, I don't smell it. And I walked yeah. through the rest of the house and I was like, I don't smell it over here. But it like, when you first walk in the front door or the side door, I was like, it's right here. My mom had a leak in her washing machine and there was mold and mildew on the subfloor and it was like festering. Whoa. So it was one of those things that like, I'm glad I said something because my mom was about to be like, I don't know. We just, it smells weird in the laundry room. Like, no, it fucking shouldn't smell <laughs> like that. It smells like, you know, when um, you ever leave a load of laundry in overnight and forget to switch it over to, to like to the dryer. 
Yeah. yeah. That smell the next morning, that kind of moldy, musty, mildew smell. Yeah. Her whole first floor, like on the one half of the house, fucking smells exactly. It was dis- It was like to the point where it's like overwhelming. I was like, I can't even be in this room anymore. See, that's my worst fear is that my apartment smells weird. And then because I live in it, I smell weird. And then I go out into the world. But, you know, I don't think that's the case because I shower every day. People tell me that I dress nice, so that's good. They say I look well put together occasionally, so that's good. I just need to open the windows like once a day for an hour and probably clean up because it's been a while. Um, Can I give you a life hack? Yes. Take, well, I don't know, take the time, but because it takes no time at all, but make an investment into scented candles and you will not regret it. Ooh, I'm into that. I love it. It's like, I'm I'm all about it. I'm gonna do that too. Yeah, so I, I've got a whole plan. So this all this But like don't just buy like the supermarket ones. I mean there's it's like a whole world. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh Yankee candles, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. another brand my wife buys um the, I think it's called White Barn. Or old white barn, maybe. But um anytime I cook something that's really, really strong smelling, like eggs or uh, I burnt. What did I burn? I burned something the other day, and I was like, "It's light a candle," and five minutes later, it smells like the candle, like the whole house. It's amazing. It's great. And then also, also because you, you then uh, it'll it'll like latch on to you, so you'll smell nice as well. There you go. Also, Brad, your isn't your girlfriend in the the scented candle business? Correct. So, dude, I'm gonna keep it in the family. I'll buy some. All right send you a link yeah all right now we're rolling see this see the connections we have here in the northeast scene <laughs> see how Wait, it all so comes did your friend the- tell you you smell or your apartment smells the apartment oh, okay yeah but i'm afraid that the apartment smell is transferring to me now i don't i don't think it smells bad in here it's probably just a little musty because i never open the windows because i'm always cold yeah yeah but i'm gonna take care of that oh i, I need to clean too i haven't cleaned in a long time, because, you know, I was stressing about that test for like a year. Plus, I'm lazy. Right. <laughs> Man, I mean, I'm telling you, scented candles will take care of all that. Yeah, yeah. You send me the link, I'm going to get some. So Yeah, but I mean, just in general, I'll send you a link, but yes, it's a big life hack. So, Brad, the last yeah. time you were on this show, it was July 6th, 2020. Well, that, that's when the episode went up. Doesn't that seem like a century ago? Yeah, that seems like years ago. Yeah. Like does do wow. you feel like your life is a lot different now than it was back in July? I do. Um maybe my perception is different, but my life isn't that much different as far as like day to day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm still doing the same thing we we're doing in the beginning of March. Um which is nothing. But, you know, my mind and consciousness hopefully has expanded and grown a little bit. I always feel like that, which is great. You know, perception growing, uh, I don't know, hopefully being more mature, more responsible. Definitely, I really hope. Yeah, I definitely have that down because, yeah, I think I was more of a mess in the summertime. But, um, yeah, how are, you, how are you passing the time, Brad? What do you do, like, day to day? Like me, I do this podcast. I'm on YouTube all day watching uh, video game speed runs and streamers. I've got a couple games I play. You know, I, I'm, I've always got something going on. What do you do to pass the time? 
Mm, I mean, yeah, I guess I wonder how much time I do spend on YouTube now that you mentioned that. I feel good that you mentioned that you spend a good part of your day on YouTube. A lot of it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like I am not on social media. Right. But I am on YouTube, which isn't really social media. I mean, I guess you could like comment on people and go back and forth with like the comments, but I don't even engage in that. Um, I think that's the closest thing I have to like some sort of social network online. Um, so yeah, that's a, I, I mean, if you're going to make like a, like a pie of your day, that would be a, you know, like a circle of like percentage <laughs> of your day. Uh, that would be a big one. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a recommendation now stay with me on this. Our last guest, Philip Jameson of Caspian recommended Korn's opening song from Woodstock 99. And the crowd just goes berserk when the song finally kicks in. And it it really is something to behold. Like the entire crowd, the gigantic crowd jumps up and down and it's like a tidal wave of of action. And now, you know, I'm not the biggest Korn fan in the world, but it really is something to behold. I, I recommend you check it out. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you. I guess I've never really heard corn. Yeah. I mean, going back, I hope I'm not offending you and Tommy. No, not at <laughs> all. I mean, like, I was offended by the Wu-Tang thing. Like, someone I'm close to doesn't listen to the Wu-Tang. It was like, I mean, I, of course, I forgive you. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't think I've ever... I couldn't name a corn song, put it that way. I, corn- I listened to corn for a little bit. I couldn't name a corn song. blind yeah Yeah, blind is oh yeah 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 that's the song that was the big one and then there was uh the album after that we talk about corn a lot on this podcast (laughs) for some reason for people that don't really like corn i don't know let me let me ask you guys i mean because i don't know but i'm always interested in like sort of like the sub genres of things and like time periods like historically in music yes was corn because i guess what I would consider them like new metal, in you metal. Yes. Yeah. But I just also remember that all kind of came out of like, uh, I want to say like they just appeared with like Limp Biscuit and those kind of bands. Yes. Around, around that time. See, I feel like I knew Corn before I knew Limp Biscuit. They were that's around. What, first. I guess that's what I'm asking. Were they like sort of the first of that? I think absolutely wave. Yeah, yes. and then it kind of grew into that like uh, Lincoln Park, like uh, emotional but metal. But for some reason, you have a DJ kind of mix up that seemed like everybody had. But Corn never did the DJ thing. I don't think. Not told much later, but Corn was around first. They were the pioneers of that whole sound. And then they helped break Limp Bizkit. And I didn't start hearing the term new metal until, like, Disturbed and Godsmack and all those bands started coming around. And, yeah, so Korn was just, like, this cool kind of underground, heavy, mainstream band. And then they broke mainstream with Life is Peachy around the year 99 or 2000, I think. And that's when, like, the whole new metal thing kicked off. And let me ask you this. Would you say part of the signature sound of new metal is having the turntables, the scratches? No. No. I think that for okay. me, the the signature sound is that like drop C 
kind of playing that they do. Like they, they, they seem to be like kind of roam around in that they were the first band them and Cole chamber were the first band I remember seeing where I'm like, that guitar player has seven strings. Like <laughs> that bass player has six strings. What the fuck is going on with this? Like that was the first time where I had heard that, like kind of, it was all everything kind of focused around a general kind of like almost breakdown, but it was like groove. Like there was like a kind of like thing you can nod your head to. Right. But I guess, well, okay. So not so much the turntable uh, scratch sound, but I guess what I'm asking maybe was there like a B boy element to it from hip hop? Oh, well, I guess with corn, like they, they definitely rock the Adidas track suits. That kind of has like, kind of harkens back to the, like run DMC kind of like, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It was sort of like kinda... the, the, the backward baseball cap kind of, yeah. I don't know. Like it just seemed like they were always, I don't know. I mean, I always, yeah, like the more popular bands like Limp Biscuit and all of those things always had this sort of element or even like in the, the beat almost it was like a heavy you know sort of what well, i don't even know what you call those beats uh but there was like a funkiness to it yeah like a, break think, beat, a break beat metal kind of beat to it as opposed to your traditional metal or hardcore or grindcore it was know, a whatever. branch off of like the funk metal scene like red hot chili peppers and then you had okay, faith no right. more and all, like right. all See, that kind of shit and then new like corn sprung from that and then kept manifesting into other shit i always associated like um do you remember public enemy put out that song she watched channel zero and it used the slayer sample that's where i kind of always like was like that seemed to be like that origin of like that mixing like not like run dmc and aerosmith like kind of like pop and pop but like that kind of like heaviness kind of like with that kind of dark element to it of like, this is subversive. Like that was when I first heard it, I was like, Oh shit. Like this is fucking (laughs) heavy. Like it's a heavy riff, but like Mm -hmm. the whole, you know, like if you you ever listen to the song, like it's the whole thing about like people just tune out, tuning out on life and like paying attention to what's going on in soap operas and, you know, daytime television rather than engaging in real life. Well, I guess actually now, Tommy, you just reminded me like, yeah, wait a second. So like Rick Rubin was responsible for that sound of mixing like, like, uh, you know, like even like the first Beastie Boys record yeah, and yeah. then the Run DMC Aerosmith thing. That was all his like mastermind of like adding like classic rock, hard, heavy riffs to hip hop, yeah. which could you could like yeah, you could say like those new metal bands were probably more inspired not say not so much by hip hop, but more like that sound of like the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Oh yeah, which you know, and yeah, I guess you're right too. Like this, then that's sort of when like the Chili Peppers, Faith No More thing came in. Yeah, I didn't. That was one of those bands. I still, I, I understand. Like my my older sister is like a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, and I still yeah. listen to it and go, I don't get it. Like, I, <laughs> Like, you know what? Yeah. I've I've grown to appreciate them over the years. I don't. I'll never put it on and listen to it. But it's. I don't know. They. I'm. I'm always shocked. I'm surprised they've. They have the longevity that they do. Oh yeah. Like like they, it just seemed. You know, if you would have, if you would have seen what they were doing in the '80s and been like, these guys are still going to be around, way past everyone else, would be like, what? Really? 
Like, if you ever see any of their really old music videos, they're yeah, they're the, like crazy. Or they're wearing like knee pads. <laughs> yeah, and Flea is just like going nuts. Like, and the, so yeah, Chili Peppers, crazy longevity. Yeah, I mean they're like considered a classic rock band now. I know it's crazy. I always think it's we. I don't know. I I just remember watching stuff about them when I was younger, and I liked. Uh, do you remember there was like an infamous uh, Saturday Night Live performance? Yeah, I love that. I go back and watch that, and Kiedis is so pissed off at John Frusciante. You see them doing like a face-off at the end. They're like standing face-to-face like, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. You know, Kiedis, Anthony Kiedis always remind me of Doug a little bit. He's got that like vibe of like he's going to fucking knock you out like if you fucking piss him off. Like, <laughs> but I remember watching that. Uh, I think... I don't know if I have a distinct memory of watching it live or I've made that up because I've watched the like YouTube of it. But I remember seeing it being like, Oh shit. Like he's doing that on purpose. Like, and the whole time he's playing, they keep kind of like looking over at him. Like what the fuck? I would be so pissed off. That's like, yeah. Cause I mean, they've been around for decades and decades. Yeah. yeah since like the early eighties, at least. And I actually, do remember seeing them, I guess, in the early 90s. And it was like one of the first tours they did with John Frusciante and the drummer. It's funny because like I can't name a Red Hot Chili Pepper songs, but I know all their names. Ch- yeah, was it Chad, Chad Smith? Chad something? Smith, yeah. 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 So yeah. Like, like, you know, Anthony Kiedis. Well, Flea's easy to remember. <laughs> but, you know, like I just know all the band members first and last names or whatever. Um, But I do remember because sort of when I first heard them, you know, there was no like anything sort of like left of center that wasn't on like mainstream radio was just called alternative music, you know, right? before there was all these like sub genres and they were just sort of, yeah. I mean, I guess because they were sort of more keyed into like, the funky sound that made them sort of like left to center. And they were just sort of like, uh, I guess they, you know, they, they do come out of like that LA underground scene, you know? Right. Yeah. Like just as like Jane's addiction and all of that stuff. Uh, but anyway, I just remember like they, they, I mean, for me, they just sort of appeared out of nowhere. And I remember they came to like St. Petersburg, Florida and I went to go see them play. And I mean, and honestly, it was like, like, I didn't know any of them. It's like before we knew like their personalities, you know? Yeah. And they were this in like credible live band. Cause like also like there was like a certain level of musicianship that I wasn't used to seeing, you know what I mean? Like, uh, cause they were like, cause that guy, you know, Flea was just going crazy on the fucking bass and slapping and like, you know, and then it was just like a real power house thing. And I also remember like, in that time going to shows, um, you know, and like the, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but like particularly where I grew up, there was like a, you know, kind of a bad skinhead vibe. Mm. And because, because there wasn't a lot of hardcore shows, they would go to like alternative rock concerts. Yeah. And they would always fuck with the bands. (laughs) And so I remember, specifically at this Red Hot Chili Peppers concert, they were fucking with the Chili Peppers. And in the middle of one of their songs, Frushanti 
takes off his guitar and starts smashing it over somebody. I guess one of the skinheads. And then all, and then all of a sudden Chad Smith stops playing drums, gets up. And I don't know, maybe just cause I was like a, a young man at the time. Like that guy just looked like a fucking tank. Yeah, of, of like, like don't mess with that guy. He was like the muscle, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And so there were like there was this confrontation, and I just remember thinking like, whoa, don't fuck with those guys, like the Chili Peppers, <laughs> you know. Um, That's crazy. But whatever. But yeah, and then, but it was also another one of those things. Like I just never thought they would. I don't know. I don't. I mean, they were like great musicians. Uh, and I think I even after that went out and bought one of the records, which was like Mother's Milk. Yes. Oh, yeah. And that was like the record before the Rick Rubin record, which just blew them over the top, you know? Yeah, they are really good musicians. I watched uh, again with YouTube, a random video came up of Chili Peppers back in the heyday and Frushanti's playing acoustic guitar. And yeah. Anthony is just singing uh, Under the Bridge. And man, that guy can fucking play guitar. He's like so good. I mean, I'm the only fascination I have with him would be Frushanti. Yes. Like he, I, don't, I mean, I can't, we're, we're really going for this like Chili Peppers fucking history <laughs> right now. Uh, um, I wish we were talking about Wu-Tang, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, he always fascinated me because, like, at the height of their success, like, the world in the palm of their hand, he left the band. Yes. And then became this, like, gnarly junkie. Yes. Um, But in that period, he recorded this insane of a record. It was, like, his first solo record. And I think American Rick Rubin's record put it out. But it's, like such a gnarly like four track kind of captain Beefheartish, insane record in the like depth of his addiction yeah. <laughs> you know uh which it was almost like anti it was almost like a cry for help but it was an amazing amazing yeah. record and then he came back to the band uh and then he left the band again and now he like just recently came back to the band. Yeah, he leaves and comes back a lot. Yeah, and then they try to do shit without him, and it's just not as good as when he's with the band. But I don't like. I don't actually consciously know that because I haven't like really listened to them since like the nineties intently, right. you know. But I am sort of fascinated with his story of in and out of that band to make them the band that they are. You know, me too. I've actually gone and tried to. I've actually randomly jumped on his Wikipedia page and tried to track like how many times he's been in and out of the band. I don't know why I just spend a lot of time on the internet. And, you know, uh, as a fellow person who used to struggle very hard with uh, many substances, that whole angle is always interesting too. Remember those clips of him in Sweden or wherever he was living on Behind the Music? And he's just so out of it. Like, he's like on dope, like just... I don't know. And he's just talking about stuff and he just, he just seems really whacked out. Even now, I think, I mean, I don't know now, but like whatever current footage there is of him playing with him. If you look at his arms, his arms are like fucking insane. Like from all, all, yeah, just how tracked up and like burnt they are. 
Um, yeah, I think all or most of the chili peppers are legendary former junkies. Yeah, I mean, well, Cadis put out that book that, like, whatever. I mean, I, I, I'll admit I read it <laughs> out of, like, morbid curiosity. Yes. Uh, but it is good. I mean, he, you know, but he, no bones about it. Those guys were, like, gnarly L.A. Hollywood junkies, you know. I don't know. Yeah. I, Flea, I don't think Flea was. I think Flea was just court, sort of, like, you know, he just seems like... Uh, I mean, he's equally melted in his own right. And I think he just put out a book recently, which I kind of, once again, out of morbid curiosity, want to read. But I think it's something, I think even like acid is in the title or something. I was going to say, is it called like a fleeting moment or something oh, like that? No. <laughs> oh, no. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Keith, you just made me think of something, though. Do you, do you remember, all right, um, you think about like behind the musics and like those things, like where they do like the one shot of like a person talking. Yeah. The saddest one, if you ever have a moment to watch it, Millie Vanilli. No. Yes. That one's sad though. That one's real. That one is really bad. Especially when it's, uh, for, what's his name? Fabrizi. Yeah. Fabrizio. Rob Fabri. F- uh, I don't want to say it wrong. Fabri. I don't want, I think it's Fabriz, like the spray, but, but he, yeah. yeah, that one's super sad, but there's one where it's, uh, they talked about gr- it's the one about grunge and they talk about the death of like glam slash kind of like hair metal. And it's, um, Janie Lane from the, he was the lead singer of warrant and it's him. And he is fucking out of his mind drunk. And he is talking about how like the album was supposed to be called something. And I don't remember what it is, but he was like, yeah, man. And then like the day before they were like, fuck, we can't, we don't have a single on here. And like, he's like slurring. It's so bad. And he's like, and then, so I, I sat down and I wrote cherry pie and guess what? Now fucking singles, cherry pie, the album's fucking cherry pie. There's cherry fucking pie posters all over the place. And he's literally like, you can see him getting angry and he just looks at the camera for a second. And he's like, you know, and now I'm the fucking cherry pie guy. And it's like the, the, you see his soul just dying. You're like, fuck, <laughs> dude. This guy has just poured his life and everything. Like he's just given everything he has to be a, like a musician and you know make it famous. And he thinks this thing that's going to be like a throwaway track. Like, all right, give him something to like put out, like as like kind of like a poppy kind of thing. He's like, I wrote Cherry Pie in fucking two hours, and it's now it's defined me for the rest of my life. And it's very sad because. He ended up dying of alcoholism in like a comfort inn in somewhere in like uh, Southern California. Yeah, it's mm. never a glamorous death. It's always, you know, no. overdose in a comfort inn in like, no. you know, Modesto or something. And so, yeah, it's so terrible. And it was just like, it's hard to watch. And I, I remember the only reason I watched it was because somebody had posted something about um, one of those other hair metal bands. Uh, it, I don't remember who it was like poison or something like that. And it was, uh, somebody had posted something like it was like a, you know, PRP or like metal injection or something like that. The guy had to issue an apology because he had showed up on stage. So fucked up. Like he didn't know the words of the song. There was a point in time where he laid down on the stage and it's like, you know, they're playing like these kind of like casino kind of venues 
Yeah. So like half the tickets are like comped, but the people that paid like paid like probably 90 bucks, a hundred bucks to go see him. And he's fucking laying down on the stage <laughs> and it's like, Oh, it's so bad, dude. I felt terrible, but that was one of those ones where I watched it and I was like, you know what? I think I might not be, I might be okay. Not drinking for a long time <laughs> like, <laughs> because if that's what alcoholism really looks like, it, you literally watch the, you can, if you just pay attention, you can mute it. And, and look at it and just go, this guy's in pain. I saw that clip you were talking about where he's like, and now I'm the cherry pie guy. I remember randomly seeing that on YouTube and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, dude, he was, he, you can, it's just absolute devastation in his voice. This, this brings me to a, a good topic. Brad, I wanted to talk about you a little bit now. We don't have to. <laughs> See, the, the fact that you don't want to just makes me want to even more. Last time you were on the show, we were talking about some of our struggles and, you know, you mentioned that you had to get clean and sober at some point, right? Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. Now, when you had to quit everything, at the end of everything, was everything all fucked up for you so that people didn't want to play with you in bands anymore? Like how much, what was this, what was it like and how much repair work did you have to do? Um. Yeah, it was all fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it wasn't, I mean... I think even if people wanted to, pl- I mean, I was playing in this band and I had to quit just cause I was too sick to show yeah. up, you know? Um, so I think even if people wanted me to, I just couldn't do it, you know? Yeah. Which was, I mean, that's so heartbreaking cause it's like the thing that I've always wanted to do my entire life. and was finally doing it. And you know what I mean? Right. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it was just bad, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's just, it's something I'd resigned myself that I just could never do again, you know? Yeah, Like I, same. I mean, but it was so funny how quickly, like, you can make a decision like that, you know, because of, like, the illness, you know? Because of, like, yeah. just, like, you, you, you're sort of, you think you're making like a rational decision when you're completely fucking out of your mind, you know, like (laughs) I'll never, I can't play music. I can't do this, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just too sick, you know? I I used to, I used to be kind of functional. Like I was in bands, I guess I hadn't hit, you know, to where I was getting high every day yet, but I would show up to band practice and I would be like puking in a trash can between songs and these are people that i just met and i thought that was normal and they must have thought i was fucking out of my mind <laughs> yeah Dude. i mean it, it, it yeah just it becomes a thing where you just i mean particularly towards the end of my time it's like you just can't hide it you know right because that i mean that used to be like a big part of it was just like you know none of the people I mean, they knew I was fucked up, but they didn't know how fucked up because I was being shady, you know? (laughs) Um, But then, yeah, it just comes a point where, like, you're not hiding it. And then people are like, whoa, dude. (laughs) Like, what the (laughs) fuck, you know? Yeah. Is that kind of, like, does that go hand in hand with, like, kind of using is that, is the, like, kind of the sneakiness of it? Like, you kind of have, do you feel like, you that's how you start is like you're kind of like i'm gonna dabble here and there but i'm gonna do it enough that or i'll do it so few times that people won't really catch on yeah yeah it's like the last thing you want to do is draw attention to yourself you know right 
Um, I, I mean, I've always admired particularly junkies who are just completely honest about it. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I feel like they're far and few in between, but I do remember like being on tour in Europe around 2000 and uh, playing with this opening for this like popular band. And one of the guys in the band was just like, yeah, I'm sick and I got to go score. You know, he had just met me that day. I like sound check, <laughs> you know? Um, and he was just completely open and honest about it, you know, like, and it just made no bones about it. I just really admire, I was like, wow. You know, cause there, to me it was all tied up in like guilt and shame and, you know, like hiding it, you know? Um, but yeah, he just was like every, and everyone in the band knew and they kind of accepted, you know, there's also this, like, I think that, you know, there's, there is quite a few bands who are like, I don't care how fucked up you are just as long as you don't miss a show and show up, you know? Right. I think the great, I mean, I, not to bring this band up cause I don't, I'm not a fan, but like, I think, I think that was like the grateful dead's whole thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, because that's why that dude, Jerry Garcia was just, even he was like the gnarliest, darkest addict of all time, you know? And then everyone else, you know, and there was a bunch of people had died in that band, like, like members of OD and alcoholism. But I just think they were just like, we're not going to tell you how to live your life as long as you just show up and play a fucking show, you know? And I, yeah. And I, I feel like I have seen bands and I don't know if that like enables somebody, <laughs> you know, it's like an interesting thing. It's like, does that enable this person to keep on doing it? Or is just like, or if that's actually like a cool way to a, you know, approach it with like acceptance. It's like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but don't fuck up what we're doing here. I don't know if I believe in the enabling thing because I literally was never going to stop until I decided it was time to stop. Like nothing was ever going to stop me. Yeah. So Keith, that's a great kind of like, if you had like, say for example, like things that you like, like are, find as part of your part and parcel of your life like so your career like if you had gotten fired do you think that would have stopped you that's a good question because you know my job is a is a big reason of why i decided to clean up in the first place so it's possible it's hard to say that's a good question yeah i think it's i think it's definitely possible yeah you you either have to make the decision or something has to happen that makes you make that decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's say I got fired. They're like, hey, your performance is no good. Uh, you're gone. Maybe that would have made me be like, okay, uh, now it's really time to to yeah. stop. Yeah. Because like, I, I, I think about how much that's t- – because like, you've always – even when we were, you know, partying hard back in the day and we were, like, going out and drinking all night, like – you kept your job as first and foremost. Like, yeah. I would call you the next day or text you and be like, oh my God, I'm so sick. I can't, I had to claw out of work today. And you're like, I'm at work now. <laughs> what? <laughs> How? You had more than I did. Yeah. You, I saw you drink like 20 long iced teas. How the fuck are you at work? <laughs> like, I'm throw, I've been throwing up in a bathroom, in my bathroom for the last three hours with a cold washcloth on my head. Like, what the fuck? I don't know how I did it. It must have just been my life. Like that's my life's or that was my life's practice because I wouldn't be able to do it now. No way. And that that's the thing, like it's interesting. Like Brad, did you 
I don't know. Did you reach a point where you had to drop out of music completely? Like there was a long time where I was functional and I would I would be in a band or I would be actively trying to get into a band. I would be out hanging out with friends. I would be going on dates and I was still getting high. But eventually it, it just turned very dark and I completely stopped leaving the apartment at all. What was it like for you? I mean, similar, you know, I yeah. think, I think it's like you're, you're managing and you're functioning, but like less and less are you able to like show up, you know? Yes. And then at a certain point you just like stop trying to show up. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know? It's like, uh, I mean, so it's, yeah. Cause I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's sometimes it's so blurry because in my mind, when I think I made that, like when I was like fucked up and made that conscious decision to like quit, quit this band I was in and like, forfeit this tour that we were supposed to go on like in my mind that was like a year but i don't even think it was that long it might have been a few months and next thing you know i was in like a detox and like you know and then and then, but even after the whole detox thing i think i think we or i've talked about it you know i just thought like oh i'm never going to be able to you know getting clean and sober i was definitely like now nah, i'm not going to be able to play music you know like a, yeah sort of like it's like i quit before i quit and then after i quit i was like thought i was already i thought i was still done you know it's so funny how that works because when i quit doing drugs and drinking i was like how am i going to go to a wedding how am i going to go to band practice how am i going to play a show how am i going to do this how am i going to do that and when i quit dueling a year ago I had those same exact thoughts. Yeah. I was like, how am I going to go to a show at St. Vitus if I can't stand outside every five minutes and suck down a jewel pot? <laughs> how am I going to go to a wedding? How am I going to go to a dinner? Like, it was the same thing. <laughs> right. For yeah. something much less extreme. Yeah. And now I don't even think about it. But I think that's, you know, I think that's like why you have the, you know, sort of that, why you believe in sort of like the disease concept, you know? Yes. It's because it's like, how, you know, how, how, how am I going to live my life with it or without it? <laughs> I had that conversation with my dad this past week, and then I mentioned, like, the disease of addiction. And he's like, disease? Uh, and I was like, no, man, look up, look up the definition of disease in the dictionary. Yeah. I'm like, I did it myself because I was like, this is bullshit. And it fits. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, I guess it's, like, controversial, but, I, I mean, isn't apparently, like, I mean, alcoholism and addiction, like, actually in, like, a medical dictionary? Alcoholism is in that, I think the one thing they always use, they go back to, is that, that Merck manual. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, you know, the, like, it's, like, three huge volumes of, book, like, all the different uh, clinical diagnoses that you can have. And yeah. it, acute and chronic alcoholism is for sure in there. Yeah, in the, in the in the you know, I, well, it's not a joke, but like the irony is, it's like both of those diseases are the only disease models where you have a choice. Yeah, you know, <laughs> where you can be as sick as you want or as well as you want. You know, like you don't get that choice with like cancer or fucking diabetes yeah. or you know, what I mean, like, well, yeah, it's yeah. So I think also that's why people don't. You know, that's why it's like it. the sort of argument of the disease thing is like, well, it's like willpower. It's like, nah, man, yeah. you know, not exactly. I think I, I always think about this. Like, um, I remember watching. Uh, do you remember that show they used to have where 
don't know if it was, was it Dr. Drew? And he used to bring in like famous people and they would do like celebrity rehab. Yeah. yeah. And the one guy they had on there, and I don't remember, was it Steven Adler? I think it might have yeah. been Steven Adler. He was one of them, yeah. And he had such a uh, severe dependence on on benzos that he was like, Dr. Drew was like, no, you can't do it here. Like, we need to bring you to a medical facility. And he was like, why? And he's like, because you can have really severe seizures. Like, detoxing like this is not just benzo detox, apparently, can bring on these, like, you know, grand mal seizures. And you can be really, really sick from it. Um, oh, yeah, like, yeah. To the, to the point where you need to be hospitalized. I've heard gnarly benzo withdrawal detoxes. I mean, I mean, it can cause nerve damage. You know, yeah. it's like it's bad. It's it's really bad. And I, you know, I know people who've gone through it. and It's fucking serious. I mean, it's like you know, like delirium tremor. You know, all that shit. You're just hallucinations, like nerve damage. Like it's bad. You know, benzo withdrawal and alcohol withdrawal are the two worst. Yeah. You need medical assistance for those i remember seeing so my grandfather my grandfather was like a like a full-on like you know couple bottles of uh crappy bourbon a day kind of drinker and when he stopped drinking because they he had started to develop the early signs uh early stages of cirrhosis um they he actually went to hospital like he went to like a like a medical detox and was there for well, I don't know, six, seven days. And I remember when he came home, I was like, how was it? And he was like, it was the craziest thing is I, the first day I like, you know, they were telling me things like, oh, we're going to do journaling. He's like, I can't hold a fucking pen. Like mm. <laughs> my hand was shaking. So he's like, I couldn't fucking hold the thing. Like, let alone fucking write or form thoughts. Like he's like, I could barely, figure, I, I, he's like, I could, you know, spell my name. And that was about the extent of what I was able to do on those couple of days. So Tommy, you don't have a, you don't suffer from the bug. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so no, I, I was able to uh, kind of like, I, whenever anybody started partying really hard, I was like, I was never like a, like prude about like, Oh, like, don't do that here. I was just like, yeah, whatever you want to do. Like, kind of like what you were saying, like with bands, like, all right, just do what you want to do. Just like, don't, don't fuck up. Like, don't, I, I don't want to have to call an ambulance here. Right. Tommy yeah. had limits. He, we would go out and go hard Tommy would bring like a sleeping bag and a bottle of water and something to eat. Aspirin. And he wouldn't get down quite as hard. Like he didn't do drugs and like, you know, he didn't go as crazy as some of us did, but he, he was around. But, he, but you had to like, you pretty much stopped drinking, right? I mean, you have like one every once in a while, but you scaled back. I honestly, though, I had a drink um, over Christmas and before that, I had one in the summertime when I was down the beach with my, I mean, I might have three or four drinks a year. Um, and when I drink, when, when <laughs> I have a, when I have a drink, uh, I have a drink. Um, I, I, I make sure that it's like, no, I'm having a drink. And honestly, it's so funny is I, I literally can go back to my wife was like, I'm going to throw out some of these receipts. And I was like, okay, they were from like 10 years ago. And I started looking through them and I'm like, Oh my God, I used to go to the state store and spend like, this is when I, th I thought I was going to be a lawyer and I thought I was had real fancy and shit. I would buy, <laughs> I would buy like, not like nice, nice scotch, but like decent scotch. It was like $30 a bottle. Right. Yeah. And, and I would drink two of those on the weekend. And it was like, I didn't even, I, I couldn't tell you what good, like Glenn Fittage. I don't even know what the fuck it tastes like because <laughs> I would like, 
I did stupid shit with it. Like I would mix it with soda, put ginger ale in it, like all this stuff that like now if I have a drink, I li- I, I really do try to kind of like savor it and appreciate what why people like it because I always kind of get back to it and go, I, I wish I could have like a few Jamesons. But my problem is, is that I can't have a few. It's once I turn that key of like, so I guess kind of, I do have that, uh, that mentality of like, once I have a few in me and I have that buzz, it's like, okay, let's take this buzz to the next level. I think for me, like I've talked about this on here with Keith before, but like, uh, I, I knew I I needed to ch- like really stop drinking at least for a little while and kind of like monitor myself was I got up on a Saturday morning and the girl like my twins were like super young and mm-hmm. uh, I went and made breakfast for them and it was like really early in the morning and I felt like shit from drinking the night before. So I went downstairs to go get something out of the refrigerator, like eggs or, or, you know, bacon out of the freezer or something like that. And I saw the vodka there and I just took a big slug. I was like, this will just take the edge off. Like it won't make me like, I won't feel like shit and kind of cure my hangover. And then I can pound water the rest of the day and then go to bed tonight and I'll be fine. And by noon I was drunk. Mm. Like that's where I went like, uh oh, like this kind of starts to like, then you, I start thinking about my whole family history of drinking. And I was like, look, no one's done this well <laughs> in the, do- in the, in the family line. And no one has, no one has really successfully drank their entire lives without some kind of severe consequences, you know, post 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, look, I, I really need to kind of like sit down and reevaluate. And I think Keith, I think you'd, texted me something uh and it was like a checklist and it was like a whole bunch of things like if you do this or if you do that and i went through and it was like you know 30 questions and i think like like less than half like four 13 14 of them i was like yep i do that yep i do that yeah i do that no i don't do that yet but in my head (laughs) i'm going like i could totally see myself doing that and i just stopped uh, I, I did go to a handful of meetings and, uh, I think the thing that kind of turned me off on it was it, at least to me from the, like the, you know, I never felt like inside the group, uh, it really felt like a kind of like pissing match, like a, like a, <laughs> war, like a war story. Yeah. Oh, I got you. I you 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 took uh, a bunch of pills and drank and did this. Well, one time I mortgaged my house on a single hand of blackjack and but and it's like, what the fuck, dude? Like this isn't like this isn't one up game. Like we're, like, oh, we're <laughs> yeah. supposed to be here to help each other. Like, yeah. um, so that's when um, I think I I contacted uh another friend, a mutual friend of Keith and I, and he was like, ah, oh, he's like, what's your address? And I was like don't show up at my house, bro. Like, don't, <laughs> don't do that. And he's like, I'm not doing that. He's like, I'm going to send you something. I was like, all right. And he sent me the big book mm-hmm. and I read it. And I was like, this is, first of all, it, it made sense to me mm-hmm. when I was like, it is right. a good book. I've read not all of it, but some of it. I mean, it's, it's compelling. It is for sure. And the fact that like, you know, it's a, it's a doctor and a stockbroker that literally figured out like, yo, we can fix each other and we can fix ourselves by kind of this whole idea of talking about what's going on and this idea of fellowship 
Like yeah. working together and helping each other, we'll get through this. This is a good jumping off point. Yes. You know, that's I was going to ask us to share a story from when shit changed. And that story about you going down to find the vodka and, yeah, you know, taking a sure. sip, that that always sticks in my mind. That was it. So if we want, we're all going to share a story, something we always think about from, from those days. And here's mine. My last couple months of getting high, it was horrible, crazy, like the worst ever, right? So I, I had to go to California. So I was like, all right, I'm going to bring double the amount I usually bring. And then I won't run out. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. So I did that. And of course, I would always run out on by Thursday morning. And I, di- I ran out again. And I was like, fuck. And I, so I was in San Jose. So I drove. I was like, oh, I picked up in uh, San Francisco one time. Like, let me try again. So I drove two and a half hours from San Jose down to San Francisco. And I walked around for a little bit and... But I was like too nervous. I was always too nervous to actually go up and ask people unless I was really drunk. I wasn't drunk and I was in bad shape. So I was too nervous to walk up to anyone and be like, hey, do you know? Like, And I didn't see any obvious signs. So I, I went home empty handed, drove two and a half hours back, got up the next morning, flew home five hours, and then waited another four hours for the guy to show up. You know, so I could start yes. it all over again. And I always think of that time if I'm ever tempted to like go back and do it, do a repeat. You know what I mean? Because it was just, it was insane. It was just like, it was insane. Is it that, that feeling of like that desperation? Is that what kind of resonates with you? Yeah, dude. Imagine driving from San Jose to San Francisco in California traffic on a Thursday night. Five hour like, round trip at like six p.m. and then flying home the next morning at five a.m. or six a.m. Well, um, I mean, it's just insanity all the time. And you're like sick as shit the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I still remember going to Pete's Coffee. I bought two cinnamon rolls and a Nantucket Nectar's apple <laughs> juice. And I remember I ate like half of one of the cinnamon rolls. So whenever I see that apple juice now, I still think of standing in that airport like, how the fuck am I going to get home and survive this? Uh, All right, Brad, it's your turn. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, the big moment for me, because I mean, at a certain point, at a certain point, you know, we've, I mean, Keith, I think we've talked about this of just like, you're sort of bouncing back and forth between like the maintenance and misery of addiction, yes. you know, where it's like, I'm just using so I won't get sick. And then when you're not using, it's just fucking a miserable existence. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And then through that balancing act, you know, you, you try to stop, you know, whether you go check yourself in the detox or like, you know, I'm going to fucking kick in my room. This is it, you know? And then yeah, I, ended, I would end up like picking up again and it would just get worse and worse and worse. And then you just have this moment where you're like, I, you know, you just give up trying to stop, you know? Yeah. Like, that's like the real like bankruptcy part of just like, I'm not going to try to stop. I just want to die, you know? And I'll just keep yeah. going through this existence, you know? And so I was definitely at that stage, you know? And I just remember like, you know, waking up one morning sick and then trying to figure out how I was going to 
get more and all that stuff, you know? And, uh, I don't exactly remember like what time it was, but it was just going to be like another day in the fucking life of an addict who's sick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there was no plan yeah. to like stop, put it that way, you know? Right. It's like, let me just get through this fucking day and figure it out, you know? Um, so that's the, that's the zone I was already in for a long time, you know? And, um, so for me, it was, uh, these like two friends of mine show up on my doorstep and automatically I know something is wrong because these two friends did not like each other. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I was like, you know, (laughs) you know, that moment of just seeing the look in their eyes, you know, like, Oh shit, you know? Like I'm fucking these guys up. And, uh, and then even then, and like, basically they were just like, we, we can't watch you kill yourself anymore. You know, like you need help. <laughs> we're here. Well, we're offering you help. And they're not like 12 step dudes at all. You know, one of them actually owned the bar that I would fucking drink at and, you know, whatever, you know, like they weren't like coming from that place, put it that way. They were just concerned friends, yeah. you know, who like came together. So, I mean, I guess that's as close to like an intervention as one could get, you know, but it was just definitely that moment where, and even then I think I like bailed, you know, and I went on a run, but they were smart. They had gotten in touch with my brother um, and my brother had come up from North Carolina, like overnight. It's like, he just appeared in my fucking apartment when I woke up the next day, you know? Um, and I think that night, even with those two friends coming over, like I was just on a mission to like throw myself off the bridge, you know, like I was going to get high, throw myself off the bridge. I was just like, you know, it's just like my time was up, you know? Um, but so, yeah. And that was like the moment where my brother dragged me to detox on July 4th, 2004. That was, you know, that's like my clean date. So it was definitely like that. I guess if that's what you're asking, it was like that moment, you know, of just like, I'm like, I wasn't planning on stopping that day, (laughs) you know, but there was this, like, I guess, you know, we would call it the divine intervention of other people coming together. And, you know, can I ask you, like when you guys, when you guys first stop, is there like a, once you kind of have that, like get back to reality, I always feel like, and this is what kind of like always kind of got me back into drinking was I had this sense of euphoria. Like, yes, I stopped. Now I could fucking start again. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm okay now. And all those moments of like that, that absolute desperation and the, the hungover, disgusting taste in your mouth, the vomiting, like everything suddenly dissipates and goes away. And you're able to like, kind of like compartmentalize you're like oh yeah 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 no uh, i can have one and it's like I, I remember so many times where i bought my last bottle of vodka this is my last one and then it's like what the fuck am i doing like <laughs> I, i've had 18 last ones in the last six months like I, this is not the last one like something's gotta give do you have that moment like when you f- first kind of have like you're like super energized like this is great and i feel great maybe just maybe I can go dabble a little bit or is it like a clean cut? Like you're just like, fuck it. No, like I'm never going back. Well, there was plenty of years of, I would stop. I would kick like every few weeks and I'd be like, all right, I'm done. And the second I would feel better, 
I would make it a week, two weeks, three weeks, and then I'd feel better, and then I'd have a little money, and I'd do it again, over and over and over and over again. But when I really, really stopped and made a commitment to stopping, I just felt panicky all the time and scared and, you know, very shaky. Like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Can I do this? Can I not do this? So it shifted from like, yeah, I'm done. And then one little thing happens and I jump right back into it to like, it's like walking on a tightrope. You know what I mean? For months Uh, and months and months trying to stop and like not fall back into that. What about you, Bren? Um, I mean, so uh, Tommy, so like when you finally, when I finally stopped, is that what you're asking? Or just like, even just like, like attempts at it or like, I think my, my biggest thing is like, once it's out of your system and you feel better, have, do you ever have that, like those moments where you almost can kind of like trick your brain into being like, no, you can handle this. Like you can go back and do it. I mean, prior to like finally stopping, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, similar to Keith, it was just like I would fucking detox and withdraw myself and go through that like hellish thing for like seven to 10 days. And I'd start feeling like a little bit, even when I just started feeling like a little bit better, like I wasn't fully done kicking, but I would just sort of have that feeling of like, oh, okay, I'm getting through this, you know, I would go congratulate myself with a beer, you know, (laughs) and then like, because like that wasn't like the problem, you know. Yeah, like just having like a nice cold beer wasn't the problem, you know. But then, of course, you know, like the whole alcohol is a drug causes a great many addicts to relapse thing. Like I am definitely proof of that, you know. I mean, because it would just be like I'm just having a beer, man. You know, (laughs) I wouldn't congratulate myself for kicking, and it would just I would go right back instantly. You know, that thing I just went through fucking hell with for seven to ten days. You know, yeah. Um. I mean, and, and I guess that's sort of the thing, like when I finally stopped, you know, I think the the thing that has always been sort of like the number one thing I think about is just like, I just cannot use safely, you know, that's just my thing, you know? Yeah. So it's like not about having, I mean, first of all, I mean, it's even just as far as like alcohol is even concerned, like it was never about the taste for me. <laughs> you know? Right. It's, purely effect you know so like the whole connoisseur of like you know someone sniffing the fucking wine or enjoying like a fucking you know ipa or whatever you know all these like brands of whatever it was that that was just never it was never about that you know so i never like even think about that as like that's something i wish i could do you know yeah i i always think about like i get uh I, I'm 100% addicted to Turkey Hill iced tea. Mm-hmm. Like I drink a glass of Turkey Hill iced tea every day. And I know there's been times during quarantine where I haven't gotten it, but I've never been like, I need a beer like, or <laughs> I need to drink whiskey right now. Like the, the taste of alcohol has never enticed me to be like, yeah, let's go get one. It's hundred percent, Brad. It's always been the, I want the effects. I want the feeling that comes from this, this, whatever this liquid is, is just a vehicle to get me to that place. There is that point in which people talk about, uh, and they're tripping that, like that connectedness to something greater, you know, like that conscious contact to something greater. Yes. Um, so I had this experience recently 
where it, I, I, I can tell you like the date, it was December 23rd, a few weeks ago, where I, you know, part of a big part of this year, since we're all on pause and the world is on fire and a trash can and all that stuff is like, I really trying to practice meditation daily in my life. And I was doing it in such, I would do it like at some point when I wake up uh, and do it for 20 minutes um, and like set a timer on my phone and just sit still and breathe and, you know, close my eyes, whatever. But it just was not working. Right. Like it just seemed like at, at a certain point, like towards the end of last year, it was just like, this is becoming such a fucking chore to do. And it, like, it's not quieting the mind. It's actually making it louder. And so I, uh, you know, and I, I'd heard this old guy in California, uh, talking about his meditation practice, which just simply involved like going outside to on his porch and like observing the squirrels playing with their acorns and eating them and throwing them at him and blah, 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 blah. It was, it just seems like incredibly like that's too simplistic. Like what, you know, <laughs> anyway, I ended up getting this guy's phone number and like cold calling him out of the blue, you know, on like December 23rd, I talked to this guy, you know, total stranger, I think, you know, because I knew someone who knew him and that per and that person gave me his number, then that person sort of like warned this guy that I might be calling, you know? Yeah. Um, so I called, I called and he, you know, he, we talked for like an hour and a half, you know? Wow. And he, and I was just sort of telling him exactly what I had been doing. Like, look, this thing is not working for me, man. This meditation thing, like I do not, you know what I mean? Like I just, I don't enjoy it. There's nothing good about, you know, and like, and so that's the thing about meditation in general, like the practice of it, like it's not something you can be good at. It's not something you can be bad at. It's just a fucking practice, you know? But for whatever reason, um, one of the questions he asked me is like, well, have you ever done LSD before? I was like, of course, you know? <laughs> uh, and he's like, so, you know, and he's like an old guy, like in his seventies, uh, and he's like, so, you know, there's a moment, uh, like after the peak, it's called, and he's like, I call it the backside of the peak, uh, when you feel that connectedness to something greater, you know? And I was like, yeah, he's like, well, that's, you know, a similar thing that we're looking for sort of in, in meditation, you know, or a similar thing that I'm always like comparing it to, uh, but long story short. Oh, and also, he told me his first LSD experience was in San Quentin Prison, by the wow. way. <laughs> wow. But he was like, this is a, he's like, it's a horrible drug. It's the worst. It never agreed with me, but whatever, blah, blah, blah. But uh, the, long, the, the thing, he just gave me like a real simple suggestion. Because I, I was like, yeah, I'd heard you talking about the whole squirrels thing and blah, blah, blah but I live in New York, you know, like you live in LA and there's like nature outside your house and you have like a fucking yard and you can do that. You know, he's like, well, you know, you have a sky in New York, don't you? And I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was like, well, you have like parks in New York, don't you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, if like the dope was in the park, you would ride your bike to the park and get the dope. Right. You know, like 
and all these things. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the main thing he said was like, you know, I, it's like, don't put a time limit on the whole meditation thing, you know, because you're just being too hard on yourself when you do that, you know, but he suggested, he's like, when you wake up, don't look at your fucking phone, you know, don't even Mm. turn on a computer. Don't look at the phone, get up, make your coffee, do what you got to do. And then just go outside and look at the sky, look at a bird, look at a cloud. You know what I mean? And if you smoke, go ahead and smoke, blah, blah, blah. You know, but just like, don't put a time limit on it. You know, it can be like five minutes. It can be an hour. It does not fucking matter. You know? Um, so every day since December 23rd, I've been doing exactly that. And it is fucking amazing. Really? And I, and I guess the key thing is that I'm reporting back to you. It is really all about not logging on to the phone or a computer when you wake up. That is like the most beneficial element to this all. And then the other part of it is just sort of like going outside and sort of like seeing the sky or, you know, and I've, I've become obsessed with like, these like house sparrow little birds that are flying around New York. So I go visit <laughs> them. You know I mean? Just like things that I'd never ever had paid attention to on out of my front door, you know? I love that. Um, yeah. I'm inspired. I want to, I want to wake up and not look at the phone now because that's the first thing I do. And I always feel like garbage, but when I'm with Romy and we go out for a walk and actually go sit in the park or something and I, she makes fun of me because I'm I like make friends with all the squirrels and I feed them and birds and there's like birds flying all around me and you yeah. know I I'm stopped to see every squirrel and I want to make sure they all get a little something that stuff feels good yeah. I need to do I need to do more of that yeah man yeah. I'm telling you man there's just I mean even if you're looking I and I think even that was I got in another conversation with a friend of mine in L A just about I mean we're, this could take like another hour <laughs> because of just, just like the last week that we've had in the United States, you know? Yes. Um, and all that is leading up to whatever happened last week. Anyway, I just to really quickly say that like, you know, when I was doing that 20 minute meditation on my couch, eyes closed, breathing, my phone was right next to me keeping time, you know? So before or after the meditation, I'd always be looking at my phone, you know? Yeah. Um, so just that not having any part of my beginning of the day is like a whole other level dimension world to start a day off, you know, but I guess what I, the, the philosophical thing I was getting to is just like, you know, AI, <laughs> like how controlled by AI we really are in <laughs> every aspect of our life, you know? Yeah. And just not having that. I'm not trying to get all like hippy dippy, like new age crystal guy here, you know, but really not having that energy around you is fucking amazing. You know, I envision having that one day, but I'm too addicted to YouTube and watching corn at Woodstock 99 <laughs> and uh, playing video games and playing PlayStation 4 and all that no, stuff. No, but, I mean, I don't, I totally agree with you. I'm addicted. Yeah. I to want more balance is what I'm yeah. saying. More balance. And I was going to ask you guys this, we were talking about the, what we're, what we've been addicted to. 
I will ask you guys this because we all have it. I think every human being besides like the internet and social media, this is more like more of like a physical thing today. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you mine. What are your vices today? What are your absolute vices today? And I, it could mean like a, like a, like to me, coffee all day long, you know, like fucking need it. Can't live without it. Don't want to live in a world without it, you know? Yeah. And then second to that would be like, a some sort of like vitamin water that I'm obsessed with that has zero sugar in it that I drink <laughs> fucking when I'm done drinking coffee all day. That's like my night drink. I switch to. Well, I'll tell you, Brad, number one, uh, polar seltzer. I always have it on me. I need it every day. It's all I drink. Polar seltzer water. I have my favorite flavor right here, blueberry lemonade. And I, I buy the blueberry lemonade whenever I see it, and I hold on to it for a couple of days. And then it's like a special day when I crack it. Mm-hmm. And today is that day. And I always, 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 always have dark chocolate in my fridge. Lint, L-I-N-D-T. The caramel one is number one, or I do 78% cacao. Mm-hmm. I always have those on me, no matter what. Yeah. yeah. All right. Tommy? Black coffee. That's my big, like, I drank four cups of coffee before noon today. Okay. Um, (laughs) Respect, respect. I also, I mentioned my one earlier, Turkey Hill iced tea. Yep, yep, you did. I I drink that. I've been really conscientious about it uh, just because I put on a little weight over the holidays and I was like, well, I'm going to cut out some of the sugar in my diet. I won't drink. Because I would come downstairs in the morning and be like, all right, here's a coffee. And then I would make um, half lemonade, half iced tea, and I would bring that downstairs with me for work all day. And I would have like, you know, like the thing you should fill up like with water, like a big water jug, like 32 ounces. I would yeah. fill that up with iced tea and lemonade. And it was oh, like, yeah. it got to the point where it's was like, all right, that's a lot of sugar. And then I would go upstairs for lunch and I wasn't hungry because I had drank so much coffee and drank so much like essentially juice. Um, so I cut that out. Un, except for at dinner. But I think the one thing that I consistently go back to, and this is now like my, like, I'm so glad I got rid of it is I was vaping for a really long time. Uh, and I can actually go back and look at the episodes. I don't even know the date I stopped, but um, I went from jewel to uh, I was ordering them online from this place. And I would go through, I would some on bad days when it was like really stressful, I would go through a pod and a half, two pods a day for jewelry. Mm. And cause it was like when I smoked, I would have to go outside. I didn't smoke around my kids. So I had to wait for them. I had to get up early in the morning or go to like after they went to bed at nine o'clock at night. Um, you know, it was just like a chore. Like, and I, I really felt like, all right, well, with vaping, I can kind of be a little bit more discreet about it. What it did was just intensify it because I could smoke in my basement. I could smoke when I went into the bathroom to like, Oh, I'm just washing my hands. And it's like, no, I'm smoking in here. Like, uh, it, that was one of those crutches that became like too much for me. And I feel like I'm so much better off. And the other thing is, is I realized, uh, they like raised the price on jewel and I was spending like $30 a week, sometimes more than that, just on pods. And it was like, dude, $30. Like when I had, I had three kids and in my head, I'm going like, I, I have, 
I have, you know, 52 weeks a year, $30 a week. Like I'm looking at like $1,500 plus of me just fucking smoking because I want to be a dork about it. Like just like, that's one of those things that really kept me going was like $1,500 could buy me a rowing machine or could, um, I could take my daughter's to the fucking Philadelphia zoo eight weekends in a row and buy them food there and whatever fucking stuffed animal they want. Every time we went like, you know, like all the other things I could have done with that money. That's what kept me. But I think the big, like my biggest things now are really like iced tea and black coffee. Yeah, man. That's it's good. funny. It's funny. Um, you know, cause like, uh, Keith and I are used to hearing and like the whole addiction thing is like, play the tape. You gotta play <laughs> the tape, you know, it, but it's, but it's funny because I've I've had an experience lately where it's like, uh, and just what you said, like Tommy, it's like maybe maybe people should start saying, "Do the math, yeah. do the math." Yeah, yeah. I like I, that. I, I had this thing recently, same as you. Uh, in December, December, I went through this whole like sugar detox thing, and it all had to do with like finally reading the ingredients and the amount of sugar of these cookies I was eating every night, which would be my like vape before bed, my weed pen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Where these, like cookies, you know, it's like end of the night, you know, everything's done, throw on the TV and just clock out, you know, and eat these cookies. So I finally like did the math on the amount of sugar on the box and it was like, I might as well be eating like a fucking birthday cake before I go to bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, or like how many like packs of sugar at a diner were in these like six cookies I was eating. And it was like, oh my God, it's like 30 packs of sugar. That oh my God. Just, yeah. fuck, you know what I mean? So it's like, just do the math. All right. So we're down to the last few minutes. So I just want to cover a couple things while we have you here, Brad. Now, first, any news on the music front? Any Interpol tours or any projects or what's going on? Lay out the land for us. Nope. It was just as depressing as it was when I talked to you last in July. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> At least you can laugh about it, man. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I, I think I read today that Fauci was talking to like performing arts people and like, oh, yeah, fall. Fall yeah. will be able to do stuff. You know? Yeah, that's what people are saying now, and I hope that ends up being the case. Yeah, but I, but I'm, I'm, I'm to be honest with you, I'm like over, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say over. I mean, like I said, it's still depressing as it was back when we last talked. But just like I'm not gonna put stock in what anyone says because I think the 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 I mean, particularly on the music front, not so much on the Broadway front, but on the music front, is this like it's just gonna be such a shit show people trying to book things you know it's going to take a long recovery process before things get back to like a sort of normal uh at least as far as like booking tours and like shows yeah. you know because like you got i mean everyone everyone from the most top tier biggest selling artists to like the lowest diy underground everyone wants to play a show you know and then you got to think about all the venues that have survived this and all of this stuff. And then, you know, it's like, it's just going to be an absolute nightmare trying to book anything in the beginning of when things open up, which they don't even have a date. You know, I guess, I guess festivals are talking where like some people are confirming 
festival dates in yes. the summer, but yes. you know, but it, I'm I'm just saying. So it's I think it's you know I'm not putting I'm not putting I'm not being hopeful for my own purposes on like this year. People basically just pick the next season and say like that's going to be when things are okay. Like yeah. first it was summer, then it was fall. Now it's like this fall. So I I mean I do the same thing. I'm like I don't know. I don't put any stock in anything. Like I don't, you know, when it happens it happens. And look, we're at a time. So I want to I want to say this too, Brad, because last time you were on, we had that moment at the end of the episode where you know, Tommy talked about his dad and then we re- we realized we had July 1st in common. And, you know, you're telling us now you got clean July 4th. There's all these connections. In that moment, that was a pinnacle moment in our show last time you were on. Because we, we bring it up all the time. And it's something Tommy said he goes back to time and time again Constantly. to listen to. And uh, myself as well. And, you know, I think that's awesome. Because that's what I like most about this show is just the conversation. Like, episodes like this. And then when you just like hit on a conversation gold mine and you're like, oh shit, like that's that's why I love doing the show and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you guys are continuing doing it and had a a pivotal moment last time I was on. Don't expect it to happen ever again with me. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you're on, it's a pivotal moment. I mean, come on. Yeah, I thought I was just calling in for a couple minutes today, but I just, I'm looking at the time. I've really hogged this episode. No, you are the episode. I was man. Gonna no, say, don't you, say that. You we're, delivered. We're all the episode. We're all the, we're all the episode. <laughs> oh, and let's not forget our slogan. What is it? Oh, Bring boredom back. Bring boredom back. Oh, it's back, baby. <laughs> back. You ask and we deliver. All right. <laughs> Well, folks, we're out of time, so we'll be back next week. We've gotten some great feedback from you, the listeners, lately. We're going to read a bunch of that, and we got some great guests coming up, so stay tuned. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and until next time. Yay!